When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Josh Brown, I fought Mr. Freeze. How did you find that, Scott? Tilford? Not as bad as I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Still one of the worst boss battles of the year, but it did. I did, <laughs> I did beat him second time. His, his giant life bar turns out you just can't use freeze weapons on him. And no, he goes down like a sack of potatoes. I love you clarifying. <laughs> one of the worst boss battles of the year, but not that bad. It was all right. It was it's okay. quite slim pickings for boss battles this year, I feel. I suppose. Um, yeah, I should quickly say that this is The Wind-Up. I'm Scott Tilford. You're Josh Brown. Good morning, Scott Tilford. Where we go through the latest video games, the latest talking points, news things, and whatever else is going on in the industry, but we're going to do a bumper gameplay podcast this week, because oh my god, all the video games. Bow, 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 bow. Bow, bow, bow. Uh, I have I've managed to just throw money in all directions. I can't talk about God of War until Thursday. The embargo is now out and doing the rounds on Twitter, so check back on Thursday um, for full review thoughts on God of War Ragnarok. That game is in the bag, and what a lovely bag it is. Or is it? Or is it? I can't say. <laughs> um, you have to find out on Thursday. The um, bag is good. God of War, yet to be uh, exactly, seen. Exactly. Eh? Very, very lovely bag. A very pre-order bag that you can get for that game. Um, but yes, there's also uh, Gotham Knights, there's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, there's Bayonetta 3, there is Madison, there's also Signalis, and there's Mario and Rabbids um, Sparks of Hope. But we covered a little bit of that last week. I'm not going to go into Mario again, but we will try and get through the other five that we just said. Uh, opening on Gotham Knights, because I just... What a weird game this is. What an absolute mixed bag. Speaking of bags, what a mixed <laughs> bag this game is. But I just find myself saying I love it out loud oh. to myself over and over again. And it's not that I'm discounting, because obviously they've patched the frame right now. It's not 60, sadly. It's just a nice smooth 30 or a lot closer to 30 than it was um, consistently. So it's way more playable than it was um, before the patch, a very recent patch. Um, but I just love the character writing. I just love being those four characters, doing what they can to save Gotham. And I love the way that they Right, Red Hood, which is a sentence no one's ever said <laughs> in the history of bat fiction. Uh, I just I hit a bit last night where I am swapping between all four characters. I'm not going to do spoilers or anything, um, but like I said, it's like a it's a nice character scene that I'm going to slightly describe. But at this stage, you're either in on the Gotham Knights train, you've probably played enough as me and you have anyway, yeah. um, or you're just going, I'm staying the hell away from it. Um, but in the way that they write the characters, I was talking to you about this uh, this morning, the way they write Red Hood as this like big bruiser, literally listening to new metal, like Stranger of Paradise style in a scene meathead, who underneath all that is just a, just a, just a guy who just wants to let people know that he's emotionally vulnerable. Maybe he wants to hug Alfred every now and then. Didn't see that coming. I don't want to break your heart, Scott. Do it. Don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't <laughs> if I tried, but I'm going to try my best right now. Um, that The writing in the game yep. can be quite good at yep. times, but I just can't than shake... No, it isn't. I just can't <laughs> shake the fact... 
that it, it it feels like a CW show. It feels. Oh, like I a wish CW, CW shows were as good as this. Batman show, or even a non-superhero show that they mm. make. And I quite like some CW shows. I was a big fan of Supernatural back in the day. Right, so right. CW style writing. It's not that it's bad. I can just like see it. I can there just are, see the thing it is like over this game. There are parts of it where a character will say, "I got this." Have you? Got, you got this. We got this. Or like, which I, I'm starting to despise that in everything now. <laughs> I think now that I see it, I just can't. It's like noticing that I'm breathing. Breathing or something. <laughs> I just I'm so aware of every character says I got this over and over again. Um, I do recognize that, and there is a bit near the beginning where Barbara says like that was awesome in that stupid cadence that like every uh, animated movie or any still anything aimed at a mass audience does. So I do see those bits, but for me, if it's pie charted, this is gonna be on the bingo card. If it's pie charted, <laughs> um, the majority of that game for me feels very fresh and very character focused, and I feel like all the four characters are very distinct and have their own motivations for why they care about doing right by Bruce Wayne's legacy. And I feel like they just they just flesh them out nicely. It has like a soul. It feels like a team of people, even though there are four writers on the game. It feels like a bunch of people sat down and wrote some characters. It doesn't feel like they're entirely amalgams of MCU light uh, character writing, which we yeah. see in everything else. Well, tell me, right, because I, I don't want to talk too much about Gotham Knights myself today because the people listening to this have had enough. We did a full <laughs> podcast on it last week. We yep. did that follow-up news video. I've talked to death about this game, but I do want to know, um, you know, you like the character, right? You like, I like the story. Four. I love all four. That's getting you in. Yep. But uh, from a core gameplay level, you were messaging me uh, this morning, I think, or maybe mm-hmm. yesterday, and you were talking <laughs> about how, you know, you just kind of like zipped up to a gargoyle or whatever, jumped off, taken out some guys, yeah. performed some cool finishes, and were enjoying it yourself. felt incredible. On that level. Towards the end of the game, that stuff, that kind of repetition in the mm-hmm. combat just turned me right off. But it seems like you know, the combat in the gameplay itself is actually supplementing your love for the character writing. The thing that's hilarious is that the combat model, it's quite slow and sluggish, and it would be, if I was being more favorable, it would be deliberate. Um, because, like, a lot of the animations do have good heft to them. If you hold the buttons down and do the heavy attacks, especially the heavy melee attacks, in Red Hood's case, um, I'm mentioning Red Hood a lot, but it's only because I was who's, who I was playing as more recently, but his haymakers knock dudes the F out. They yes. go flying across the street, and it feels great, but it is quite a slow set of animations that are playing out. And I remember um, I was recording something, so I was going to put it on Twitter and just be like, PSA, Gotham Knights Combat can be brilliant. And then I watched the clip back, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so slow. <laughs> but when I, was in the, when I was in the moment, I was like, it's great. I'm like with, with, with Red Hood, I'm doing, like, twin pistol shots. I'm shooting two different targets with twin pistols. I'm doing a different grapple finisher. I'm starting a dude's face off a bootcase again. Like, it's great. And so that stuff can be very satisfying. However... I only really um, I'm able to put up with the sheer amount of combat they throw at you because I rotate through all four characters. I think it massively falls down if you focus on one character. For as much as I've just mentioned Red Hood now, I do get to a point, maybe I'll do about 45 minutes to an hour as a character, do a couple of nights, because you do the game, um, the way that it rolls out is you do a night in Gotham and you bank everything that you find. There's only a set amount of premeditated crimes you can do before you need to go back to the Belfry, bank uh, bank everything, do a story scene, and reset everything in the open world again, which I think is quite a nice little structure, because that's another thing that I really like, is that it's scratches the itch of, I'm just going to play for 10 minutes, I'm just going to play for 20 minutes, or I can put an hour into it and do some story stuff. Um, but in regards to the character stuff, I'm rotating through all four of them. I feel like I need to, because I am consciously getting bored of playing as one of them in that moment. And then I'll play as someone else, I'll unlock a bunch of extra points, and then when I switch back to them, I've got points to use to unlock more moves, but I've got those points from a different character. And I'm like, that's a great gameplay loop. And it's like, it's backed up by how snappy everything just feels, like yes. in terms of the, how accessible the mission designs are. Um, and that's the thing that you were saying, like, I went from I was driving across Gotham in the uh, in the in the bat bike, which a lot of people hate the bike. I, I do. quite like it. Uh, I think I just like the bat bike in general. It, it carries.
squeeze me through. But you can hit the button on that and eject out of it. And I ejected, like I hit the radar button as I was getting close to a bunch of goons. I ejected off and I saw where all the goons were up on this roof. And I ejected off the bike into a ledge grab, into the, like, a ledge hang. I shuffled along and I grabbed a guy off. It was all one beautiful flowing motion. And then I got up and did a few more stealth kills and went into a combat thing. Beautiful. Like, what? Beautiful. My issue with that is I can't shake every time I do one of those kind of like sequences or I f- string together some mm. really fluid animations. I can't help but shake how much more I enjoyed it seven years ago in Arkham Knight <laughs> and how much better it felt all that time ago, oh, if that no. made sense. And it's fine here, but it feels like, to me, a watered-down version of that combat model when it works. Mm. You know, we've talked before about like the direct mechanics that they bring over, especially in Batgirl's moveset. You know, you've got the glide from yep. Arkham Knight and Arkham City. You've got the grapple where you can pull enemies to you mm. from those games as well. You can also dive and go straight again to get propellant. Yeah. 100%. You've got like one-for-one recreations from those games, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel as good in seven years have passed, and I just oh, I can't if, shake that. I know idea. what you mean. I feel like in that regard, only only Barbara fought in the regards to she glides around the city, whereas like Nightwing gets like a weird Fortnite glider thing. Yeah. But Red Hood, for as much as I laughed at this in the preview, he just kicks off stuff in midair. Like he <laughs> awakens this uh, Lazarus pit thing inside him, and he just like it's like the Hulk in uh, Ultimate Destruction, and um, he's just kicking off stuff to get higher. And it's like yeah, like that, like as as goofy as that looked in the preview, um, tied in with what he's like exploring or whatever about himself. I quite like that. I was like, you're able to harness this energy rather than be scared of it. Um, and then you can jump around the city and stuff. And it feels really overpowered um, or it feels powerful to see. Um, I don't know what Robin's um, traversal ability is. He has the but... worst one. Would you like oh, to know what it is, Scott Tilford? I trapeze? loved playing as Robin. It's uh-huh. not. I wish it was a trapeze. <laughs> I loved playing as Robin, but uh-huh. I didn't play with him as much because his traversal move sucked. Mm. What you do is you click the right trigger yep. and you go into this very slow kind of overhead view where you control a circle oh God. and you move it very slowly around the space. <laughs> and when you let go, you can teleport to where <laughs> the circle just was. Okay. And it's the like only VR headset movement. Yeah. I, man, you should love that. Yeah, I should, but it's not in VR, so no, it not. sucks. Uh, it's the only game that makes teleportation boring. And I'm like, this could be so cool if you were Robin teleporting all over the gaff. X-Men three you know, tie-in game did teleporting better when you were Nightcrawler and you could just look at the silhouette of where you were going to go. And that game was dreadful. It was a bit. But, but that yeah. mechanic, I agree, was uh, really, really good. I'm going to ask you something yes. right now that I might actually regret in 20 seconds time. <laughs> Good feeling Did I like where it you're at water now. Water? No, I can't ask you that until Thursday. <laughs> I'm gonna though. That's, oh, the, no. that's the thing I can't wait to ask you. Uh, no, uh, good feeling right yep. now. I think you're about two thirds of the way through the game uh-huh. from what I've uh, gathered from what you've talked about. Will this game crack your top 10 of the year? <laughs> and if it does, are we still going to be friends? Afterwards? I just say, if it does, you'll walk out this door, <laughs> uh, this room. Um, I don't know because I feel like this year has been absolutely stellar. Like, I feel like overall, the beginning, uh, the beginning of the year and where we are now is just so rammed with games. And I could give you a top 10 of the year based off everything we've already had. Um, so I'm curious where the likes of this and God of War and Callisto Protocol um, and everything else that we're about to talk about. Bayonetta 3 is like knocking my block off yeah. in a nice way. Um, so yeah, I could give you a top 10 right now. So it, it, it's a hard top 10 to crack into. Um, and also we've talked loads about subjectivity, objectivity, review mindsets, etc. Gotham Knights is a nigh on impossible game to recommend. Um, cause it is a game of like five different, um, competing directions. Um, I just find enough in it that I think there's enough of a soul, enough of a passionate, um, like force from the devs. They're like, we want to write this, do this story with these characters. They have these, these, um, issues to them. And that's just interesting thematics. Like, and I love a post Gotham, um, 
Batman, sorry, a post-Batman Gotham. Yeah. I feel like that's just so rarely done and done well. Um, and I love the feel of Gotham. It feels like it's alive. Like there's people walking around and everything. They're putting their umbrellas up. And when it rains, they're responding to crimes in real time. Like the first time that I did a little <clears throat> crime, um, to rhyme, lol, is um, I did a little crime. And then the uh, police officer who I was saving was like, you need, okay, thanks very much, uh, Red Hood or Nightwing, whatever. You best get out of here because my backup's on the way. And I was like, I'm just going to wait and see if they actually arrive. And they do. Like ambulances arrive and they tend to people who are down, police do follow-up reports. I had a whole thing where I accidentally came across a SWAT team in the middle of like a um, infiltration thing in like a parking lot. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Scott, I want to make an admission right now to you and everyone listening. At the weekend, I saw you retweet an opinion from someone who I can't remember (laughs) the name of, sadly, but essentially it said kind of some of the things you mentioned there, especially about Gotham being alive. Yes. And it it feeling lived in. I knew when I said that, that I'd seen that somewhere too, but I do back that up, yes. Yeah, not to, uh, you know, say that you stole it. Obviously, you're echoing the sentiment. I just saw that you retweeted it, and this is how I know that you thought this beforehand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I saw that at the weekend. I saw you retweet that, and I turned to my girlfriend and thought, and said... He's mad. He's lost it, man. He's he's gone off the rails this weekend. He has. He's going to come in on Monday with some prime air golden takes, and I'm going to disagree with all of them because well, I agree with you yes. on the character writing, and I love that you've managed to enjoy the combat because I also think the combat can be very good when it's firing on all, all cylinders. Mm. However, when you talk about Gotham being alive, I just don't see that at really? all, man. I was so disappointed with the sandbox in this game, and it looks cool from afar as a silhouette. It's striking up mm. close and personal, man. I found it devoid of personality. I found oh. it devoid of life. I didn't even see an NPC that I recognized, that I noticed for about 10 hours. I was I oh, didn't like, even realize when we were doing our first review, uh-huh. this is an insider secret right now, yes. I didn't want to comment on the NPCs because I genuinely couldn't remember if there were any in the game. See, for me, every time you tap down on the D-pad to bring up the um, the radar thing to show you where everything is all around you, like the vision mode thing, you see all of the NPCs in that. So for me, every time I see them, like when I'm walking through the city, when I'm responding to a crime or whatever it is, you can see them all, they've all got white outlines. So I'm just like, in amongst all them is the the villains kind of thing. I guess I just didn't, I mustn't have pressed that button much because <laughs> I, I dev- never got that. Oh, okay. Because it's like, yeah, they have the whole, the whole down, like and different, what Nightwing and Barbara have different moves they can do when they're in that scan mode and you can like hack into stuff. Like when I realized that Barbara has an unlockable drone, she can just bust out yeah. and it talks to you. Usually I hate that stuff. Like post Star Wars, every little droid has a personality now, like because it worked once with R2-D2. <laughs> And uh, so now, like, the, the drone in uh, Gotham Knights, when it deactivates, it, like, disappears, and it says, like, back into the darkness. <laughs> and I laughed, and I was like, oh, God, it's got me. I'm laughing at this as well. Um, but, yeah, I just, I think there's enough in there. The thing is, you've told me that towards the back third, it completely falls apart, and the story is really not satisfying. And there's so much stuff being hung on that. And I'm a stickler for sticking the landing. Like, I think if something sets a load of stuff up and then falls the F apart, like, that final taste does, like, mean a lot. I think it's, you know, it depends how you framed your narrative. Yeah. But a lot of stuff here is building to a specific thing, and I'm, what the hell is that going to be? I think you might like it, because I will concede that I don't like what they do with the story, but mm. I think the final cutscene that you get in the game is good and does support, again, without being, without giving uh-huh. any spoilers, supports the themes and supports the character writing that you've been enjoying so far. So That's I think cool. that will end on a note where you think... 
That was messy, but at least they got the heart of it the right. The thing as well, to, to round out Gotham Knights stuff, because the whole game is, like I said, it's all about the characters and exploring the, the likes of the League of Shadows influence on Gotham, what would they do if they didn't have Batman going up against them, what would the Court of Owls, the emergence of the Court of Owls, even though it's been underneath Gotham the whole time. The, the Court of Owls stuff, when it was written in the, in the comics and everything, is one of my favorite arcs in, like, in Batman. Like, I absolutely love the way that it's revealed. I love Bruce being completely out of his depth in the comics, and I love just how much um, he has to try and fight what you'd later find out is called a talent. It's like one of the like premium assassins that the Court of Owls have in there. Like they've studied everything Batman could possibly do. And I just love that scene where he first fights one and gets absolutely decimated. It's brilliant. You really feel just how much he has no idea how to contend with it. In this, they make the talents. I mean, maybe I'll maybe there's a different version of it later, but I've fought two versions of the talents so far that one were just like feral zombies. All I had to do was hold Y to do a harder, or hold triangle if you're on, on PlayStation, to do a harder uh, ranged attack to stun them, and then I could get a hold of them. That was nothing. Yeah. Uh, nearly every enemy has that. It's like one thing you do to beat them. Um, so there was like feral talents or like feral zombies, and then there was like a bruiser talent that had like a shield and a, a, a big um, like a mace or something. And I was like... This is nothing like, what these aren't talons. Like, what are you doing? Like, the idea of fighting a talon when it was first, because there was a whole bunch of leaks and rumors over the years of what the next Batman game was going to be, and that they were going to do the Court of Owls, and that you would you would fight talons in the open world, and there'd be massive, insane sub-bosses that you'd have to, like, really get the timing right to overcome one of them. Um, and obviously, they ditched the timing combat and everything in this anyway, but the talons that you get are terrible. Mm. And I love the look of the talons, and I kind of can't believe that they've just made them, like, dumb bruisers, where all you do for the heavies is just do a heavy attack, and then grab grapple and then do that over and over and over again just spam yeah. them to death um, and it's such a letdown in that regard like I love the head of the court uh, the voice is great but um, the rest of it like they don't feel like you're fighting talons at all is he though is, is he, he not great? I don't know man Why? I don't know about that I don't know he's got such a cool voice and he's called the voice uh, he does have a cool I'll give him that you know yeah. what is is when he gets terms... revealed it's a bit like oh it's actually a voice modulator and it's someone else entirely yeah like, ah, okay. I thought that was a bit of a shame, but we're mm. getting too far into spoiler territory right bit. now. Um, I will say that, you know, in terms of Gotham Knights, my favorite narrative of the year in yes. games is you liking it. <laughs> I've loved that turnaround because I didn't expect it at all, and I'm sure you didn't either. No, no, no. I genuinely have gotten a lot of joy out of you enjoying this game because, like I said, just because I didn't enjoy something mm. doesn't mean I want everyone else to not enjoy it. I hope people vibe with it. So mm-hmm. to see you vibe with it over the weekend... Uh, despite some of the madness you might have been spouting right now. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I'm pleased it's resonating with some people and it hasn't been the write-off that I thought it was going to be. I've got so many positive things to say about it. It's not that I'm not recognising my own insanity. Like I think the costumes in this are some of the most rewarding, best-looking drip I've ever seen. I'd agree. Every single thing you get in this looks incredible. And if you're going to do a loop-based game or a game where you're picking stuff up quite quite, uh, regularly um, or at a sort of regular clip or whatever, this has the most rewarding visuals like a visual costumes than almost any loot game. Like yeah. in terms of like everything you pick up, it's like that looks incredible. That looks incredible. Like they just nail it every time. Every superhero game doing loot going forward needs to, uh, you know, be looking at this as the bar mm. because the Avengers model, not to just <laughs> slag that game off uh, two or three years yep. um, after it already died. Uh, that was not the way. And this is the way. This yeah. is like, this is how you do rewarding um, customization. And I love that like, sorry, just to, because um, I wanted to just say this before I forget this word, transmogrify. You can transmog everything that you have to look it look like any other costume. But I love that any costume you equip, the base one, if you haven't transmogged it to look like another one, any costume you have has like four sets of modifiers. So it's like four types of cowl, four types of arm armor. 
um, leg armor and chest stuff. And I'm like, that's, even that, everything you get, it's like, that looks sick, but I can still go in and vary it a little bit. And I'm just like, they just, again, they nail that side of it. I feel like I need to do, to get the poison out of me, I need to do some sort of reasons it's almost game of the air or You're some mad. BS stuff um, just to get it out. Cause it's, I've got endless positive stuff to say about it. <sighs> Exercise this demon, my friend. Who are you? <laughs> Who am I talking to right this now? This is Halloween right now. And I just feel like if my eyes glowed red and I just like, this is me possessed by the, there's the spirit of wanting to love Gotham Knights. Um, but yeah, let's transition into Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, um, which we just filmed a news video on but because its launch weekend hasn't gone down very well. It's been quite uh, rough, let's say, in regards to uh, fans realizing how many features aren't in, various different decisions in regards to the maps, some stuff from the beta not carrying across, and the new loadout system where you pick certain perks that you start with, but for the first time in, I think, first time in Call of Duty history, or first-person shooter ranked class history, <laughs> you unlock perks as the match goes on, yeah. which a lot of people just hate the idea of. Um, but yeah, overall, what, how have you found Modern Warfare 2 away from the, well, just in general? I've been enjoying it, man. Like, mm. th there's a lot of issues with it that we'll get into in that we already covered in, in the, news. the news. So check that out, please. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I am enjoying it at a base level. It's a kind of, it's a weird one because I was looking forward to it so much. Mm. Modern Warfare 2019 is one of my favorite Call of Duties, as I know it is yours yeah, as well. Man. And after a couple of CODs that I liked but didn't love, I was ready for Infinity Ward to come back mm -hmm. with a robust kind of suite of multiplayer options and they have done that but it's hard to describe it just kind of feels like there's a little bit of the soul missing this mm. time around cod 2019 felt like a confident step forward. We had the new yes. engine. We had a return to an iconic franchise that didn't play it safe either. You know, like it remixed most of the story elements. It wasn't just kind of like treading on nostalgia entirely. Mm -hmm. It had new ideas. And this one is kind of a direct continuation of that game. And it almost feels like... Uh, that game's kind of like expansion more than it does its own thing. And and that's good I because that, I loved yeah. 2019's game, but it just, there's something about it that's hard to pinpoint where I feel like the level design is great. The gunplay is great. It all feels mm. good. It's just, it's just missing a bit of soul. And I don't know how to quite quantify that. But I think it, sometimes, it is. yeah, like sometimes, cause we get it every year. Like it's one of those things with an annual release and I'm glad that they're taking a couple of years off. Like just, just in general, I'm just glad of that. I want to see what they do after a couple of years. Like that, those dev teams, it's like a cycle of like three or four main dev teams and a bunch of support teams um, to get that annual release cycle. That is in itself a production like miracle or whatever. The fact that it has been um, so routine for so long and that the bar is relatively high across the board. Like there are CODs that people don't like, but overall I do want to commend the amount of people that bring this together yeah. every single year. But sometimes that factory-like approach is more evident than a new game or like a sequel or whatever it is. And this is just one of those years where like this was the, going into this, um, it was the first time I felt like I don't need this since yeah. Modern Warfare 3. Um, which is a stupid sentence. I wasn't bothered about Modern Warfare 2 since the last time I wasn't bothered about Modern Warfare 3. <laughs> but um, just the way that it's rolled out. And I've still never played Modern Warfare 3. Um, and I wouldn't have got this. Um, I said this about Gotham Knights, but I wouldn't have played this if they hadn't sent us a couple of codes. Yeah. Um, so obviously, massive thank you to um, Activision's PR for sending that stuff out. Um, but at the same time, it's it's one of those games where I sort of like dove in. I do like to... Uh, the thing is, I was right on the fence on Friday because I was like, it's Call of Duty weekend. Oh my God, I can get some donuts and play Call of Duty. Like, I do this every year. And um, I want to do that. But at the same time, 
time, there was something about it in the run-up that just felt arbitrary. It just felt like, well, it's another year, it's another Call of Duty, and like, I guess we're doing another sequel. But at the same time, there's so much life in 2019's one, or it felt like there was. I know the seasons have started to wrap and everything, but like that game is so fully formed that it yeah. was one of those ones where it was going up against, like it didn't justify itself as a sequel. It was just, it's only justified on the factory spreadsheet. It's like, well, we need another one because it's another year and whatever. But I was perfectly happy with 2019's. I think a lot of people were as yeah. well, and it's kind of... It's funny, man, because you criticize Call of Duty for changing too much, and you criticize it for staying <laughs> the same. It's almost like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm. But I, yeah, I had played a lot of 2019's game, you know, mm. followed all of the seasons that they added afterwards, and I played a lot of Warzone as well, which obviously is a different kind of like style of Call of Duty game, mm-hmm. but it used the foundation of Modern Warfare. It's the same gunplay. It was the same weapons for a lot of its lifespan. Mm-hmm. So it feels like I've lived with that experience in that game for longer than I usually would with a Call of yeah. Duty title. So going into this, those memories are already fresh. It doesn't feel like three years ago since we got that game. Mm-hmm. So going into this, I'm kind of more familiar with it, and I wonder if that's kind of making me... Uh, kind of criticize it more for being too familiar in terms of the actual gunplay and feel and look and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. I don't want to be too negative though because I am really enjoying it and I do think they have made a lot of improvements. I think the level design in the multiplayer maps mm-hmm. is way better than it was in 2019. Like I okay. I enjoyed some of the maps in that game, but I just think they've nailed the flow mm. of the maps better this time around and they work whether you're playing, you know, like Team Deathmatch or whether you're playing a more objective-based mode like Headquarters, mm-hmm. they feel better to play. They're a little bit more compact. You're not kind of wandering around, wondering where the fight is. Uh, the spawns suck in them, yeah. which is a shame. <laughs> so they haven't nailed that aspect. Aspect. Uh, they haven't nailed that aspect, but in terms of pure design, I do think they're a, they're a cut above what we got three years ago. It's a, it's like being served a specific meal once a year, and like you can reheat it over and over again. There's a little bit more, and how long can you drag it out? And then, but you'll get the fresh one once a year, and it's just so I look forward to it. I love that meal, like it's enjoyable enough. Um, but at the same time, this was the one where the taste of the last one was still in my mouth. And yeah. as much as I played like Vanguard and Black Ops Cold War, um, which they were so forgettable, like both of them, as much as Vanguard's um, campaign had quite a lot of like resources put into it, I found the last two cards to just be so forgettable. And so in the shadow of, of 2019's Bond Warfare, that thing felt like that's what Call of Duty is. Like it's, yeah. it's held up, like that's what you give to people to play and everything. Um, and this one was just like, yep, yeah, there's the meal. Do you want it? Just go get it. Like, it's arbitrary. Like, sure. But it's a good meal. It feels good. Like, it feels great to play. Um, but I feel like they've had to justify more, or they have to justify more, because they have multiple live service things all going on at once now. And it was like Modern Warfare. They really doubled down on that in 2019. And then it was like Black Ops Cold War had, like, multiple season stuff and a carry-on of live action, uh, live service elements. Yeah. And then Vanguard did. And it's just like, there's only so much of these things that you can overlap and expect people to either comprehend or care about and it's just like this is just like another wrinkle thrown in and it's it's a big one but it's just it's hard to like make it stand out in that weird tapestry of cod i do get that and i do have hope for it though because like you said you know they're taking a year off this is going to be the only main call of duty experience Mm. for the next two years until we get whatever treyarch is working on Mm. next probably another black ops game Mm -hmm. um however that hopefully means that we can indulge in the systems that are here and see them grow over the next two years and i do think the foundation is strong enough to allow for that and to make for exciting updates to mm. come. It's a it's it's a game that I think will, you know, 
benefit from long-term additions. It's just a shame that the game at launch is missing some features that you would expect to see at launch, like mm. a hardcore mode, like a stat screen <laughs> that you can use to see your stats, like is standard in most Call of Duty games. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, stuff like that where you would expect... You would expect it to be maybe more fully formed than it is, but maybe that's by design because it Mm. is supposed to be supported for two years, which is unprecedented in the Call of Duty world. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I can't, yeah, I'm curious what that two years feels like because we already said in the video, in the news video, that they've sort of like, there was a map that was in the beta that wasn't in the, isn't in the finished game, which made me think that they're having to make shift a season pass and um, just because of how weird all the Activision, Blizzard, um, Microsoft stuff has gone down and whatever else and trying to change sort of plans around that um, or the potential of that with the acquisition hasn't actually gone through in full yet um, and whether if they were in full control, if they would have another Call of Duty next year or whatever, um, there's all that stuff. And so like, yeah, I feel like 
like the rollout of it. It's just it's good card. Like it's yeah. top, it's top card, and I'm I'm enjoying it. But I'm very much a casual Call of Duty fan, even though I do play them every year and I play like hundreds of hours of them. I'm nowhere near as into it as you are. Just yeah. I'm I've said I've joked to, to uh, you about this before recording, and I think I mentioned it on the news video. I just want the M4, and I'm going to shoot dudes. <laughs> I'm just I'm going to hold the left trigger and then the right trigger. I'm not going. I'm going to do a slide, and then maybe I'll nail a guy. I yeah. just that's called to me. It always has been. I will say a final thing on on the multiplayer. Yeah, uh, because you know, obviously, when a new Call of Duty comes out, everyone looks back on the old Call of Duty mm. with rose tinted cl- uh, glasses and says, you know, well, that was amazing. We all had fun. Didn't we? <laughs> no, we didn't have no. fun at the time. Call of Duty 2019, in particular. <laughs> that was like a trash fire at launch because it was so different and it was so unbalanced in a lot of places. <laughs> like people just ran the M4 in that game yeah. for months because uh-huh. it was by far the best weapon and you didn't have to use anything else. Like I said, the maps were wildly inconsistent. You mm-hmm. had some really good ones. And then you had some ones that were an absolute chore to play. So with that in mind, while that game you know, had a strong foundation and got better, mm-hmm. I do think Modern Warfare 2 is starting at a better point because like I said, the maps across the board are better mm-hmm. and the weapon variety in particular is way more fun yes you can just use the m4 that you start with and have fun I will. but you are incentivized to use different guns and those guns most importantly with the exception of the m16 are viable mm. in, in they're fun to to use and unlock and it doesn't feel like everyone's running the same build which is appreciated <laughs> so they have learned some things and it is in a better state at launch than 2019's was just hopefully uh you, you would just think that with the less that were learned, you wouldn't have to be in this state of, well, it's good, but it could be better. Yeah. It should be better. It's in an interesting state because, especially coming off the beta, like I mentioned the map, but there was a lot of people who had a lot of feedback in regards to the loadout system or just various things. I remember that the feedback when they put a post out saying, like, we hear all of you and we can't really implement any of this yet, but, like, cool, thanks. And it was just that whole thing of, like, well, why do we even call this a beta mm. or whatever? And obviously it's like a server test and everything. Um, but, yeah, the next two years do give them plenty time to address fan feedback and do very various tweaks and everything else. Um, so yeah, I'm curious. I like the idea of Call of Duty just relaxing a bit uh, in, in terms of the annual cycle and letting the dev teams like step forward a bit more. I agree as well. And again, I've, I know I've said a final thing for like three <laughs> points now, but this is the final thing. And it's a, the king. it's a low bar uh, to clear. Yeah. But considering how many other first-person shooter franchises, big first-person shooter franchises, have fallen on their face recently, Battlefield 2042, Halo Infinite, Overwatch 2, this, Overwatch 2, this has avoided that pitfall entirely, yeah. which is... You know, it sounds like something that we shouldn't be celebrating, but considering the trend that those other <laughs> franchises were on and how easily Call of Duty could have followed suit, yeah. I think it is kind of impressive that it hasn't done that. But that means the bar is so low, we, the bar is in hell. We need a soundbite just for, hey, a functioning video game! <laughs> and it's just an echo and some little party poppers. And like, yeah, that's because that, that would get used like once a year. Yes. Um, it's extremely rare. Um, let's pivot into something a little bit smaller. Uh, you've been playing Madison, which gave me, look at the visuals, give me PT vibes. Um, you're very yes. very horrorsman. Now I saw your reaction on Twitter um, to a ghost that popped or a zombie, whatever it was, apparition pointed right in front of you um, and you screamed and the controller recorded it, which was brilliant. Dude, man, there was, be- there was so much of that. So <laughs> much that I did not upload because uh-huh. it was too embarrassing. Uh, Madison is great. Uh, Madison is a game that I've been playing over the past week mm-hmm. because it's obviously spooky season. Happy Halloween. Spoops. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's very much PT inspired. Your 
playing from a first-person perspective. You wake up in a house that is kind of surreal and a bit supernatural. You don't know what you're doing there, and you're walking around this haunted house, essentially, trying to solve puzzles, trying to figure out the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's very PT-inspired, very Visage-inspired. Yes. But it's just so scary, and it's just so good. I know you had problems with Visage because it was a little bit rough. Uh This does feel... um, more robust in terms of its feel, in terms of its uh, puzzle design. Yeah, I thought like Visage was one of those things where like visually, visually, very good, very good, horrible, um, scary Halloween. It looked like um, it should be immediately my thing, and I like I liked a lot of just how kind of slow burn it was. But yeah, there was just something about the budget was it just the, the budget wasn't there for it, um, and it just felt a little bit too like I can see that character model, I can see that asset being used, I can see the I can see the strings, um, and it took me out of it. Um, which like does Madison have that? Madison feels a bit more fully formed in that regard. A little bit. I prefer Visage, but mm. uh, I prefer what that's going for. This is just still, this is still great though. I still think it's like a proper 9 out of 10 game. Nice. I, I love the puzzles and it was so scary. And what this does is actually take, not saying that it takes directly from Visage, but Visage had a section where you control a camera mm. and you're walking around oh, in yeah. the dark with a, with a camera and using the flash on it to illuminate where you need to go next. And all of the gameplay in Madison is based around this supernatural Polaroid camera that you right. pick up right at the very beginning. So you're using it uh, in a lot of different ways. You're using it to, you know, take photographs of certain objects. And if you do, you might trigger something within the level. You might open a door. You might open a portal, something like that. Mm-hmm. But then you're also just using it on a base level to illuminate darkened corridors. Honestly, that I wish that was in more stuff. Me I feel too. like I saw that in the original Saw film. There's a bit when uh, Lee Winnell's character is exploring the, the, the room. that He's like in his own apartment, but he hears something in the pitch black yeah. and you can only use the camera flash to see it great reveal, like way of doing a slow reveal kind of thing because that was in uh, the in the first Outlast yeah. and then it's very rarely in enough games to do it well it's one of my favourite gimmicks whether it's in <laughs> games or in movies but yeah. I think it works particularly well in horror games uh, because you know in so many first person horror games like this you know they, they, they kind of make you powerless right they don't give you a gun mm. you can't fight the apparitions you've got to run and hide that is fun but mm. to me it's not that active in terms of what you're doing. And I think the Polaroid camera actually strikes like a nice balance where you're given it, uh, but you can't like kill things Mm. with it, but- Not like fail frame. No, but you are an active participant in what, in the gameplay itself, you know, you're Mm. taking pictures of things directly. It's up to you to kind of press that button and illuminate the area. It's up to you to press that button and try uh, taking a picture of an object that might transform or can something you, like that. Can you tell, game design-wise, are you triggering um, like the, the creatures or whatever with a flash? Are they there anywhere and you're uh, revealing them? Or does it feel like when you hit the flash, something is right there in front of you? Yeah. And you, you could have done that flash in two minutes' time and it still would have been right in front of you. It's a bit of both. Um, it, it's a bit of both, I think. It hides the strings of that quite that's well. That's good, that's cool. Sometimes you kind of think, if I press the button right now, something <laughs> will jump at me. But then there are other times where you're in a darkened hallway and then you might press the button and you might just catch like a, a flash of something <laughs> right. that's off on the side and it might be a ghost but it might just oh, be cool. a fan it might be something else yeah, yeah. Um, but I love that it makes you kind of like have to do it it makes you press the button it's not mm. just you're not just passive in it and I like that it strikes the balance of giving you something to do in the gameplay that is active but not just giving you a gun or right. not just giving you a machete to behead <laughs> a ghost and it's a, it's a really cool mechanic the way that the puzzles are implemented with it are really 
exciting. Mm. And I just think that generally the plot, which I won't really spoil, but it's about this young lad who um, is investigating a dead serial killer called Madison Hale, okay. who um, chopped up a bunch of victims and was allegedly like a witch. Um, so you're investigating that and you kind of go from there. But it's 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 really good and it was so scary, like genuinely scary. Like, I couldn't play parts of it because I was that scared. I had That's to like cool. stop and just go away. Might not work for everyone, as we had, as we talked about in the horror podcast last week. But if mm. you're if you're easily scared by this stuff, like I think it will okay. terrify you at parts. Do you think uh, just to round this stuff up a little bit? Do you think that PT is almost its own genre at this point, where like Kojima sort of showcased like with PT like a return to like minimalist horror and location based horror and like repeating the same location and making really making you scan for like you said this in this one you're literally taking photos of different things um, and like you know triggering stuff in the environment or whatever. Does this feel PT? inspired or does it feel like it's 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 definitely its own thing but like does the the pt-ness is that in there very much the pt-ness is all over it in a good way though because yeah that is the (laughs) t because we didn't get pt so we had an idea of what that game might have looked like Mm. we had a couple of puzzles but we didn't get it fully fleshed out it's almost like these games are taking that idea and then fleshing it out so you get puzzles that you know might evoke the puzzles from pt where you're looking for specific things Mm. in the environment looking at a specific picture but it's 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 just kind of like the full realization of that, which I really love. Like mm-hmm. between this and Visage, I almost don't lament the loss of Silent Hills anymore because it's kind of no. like I've got them. I've got a scary experience in that vein. Mm-hmm. And both experiences are really good. Both experiences, while borrowing elements from that playable teaser, mm. are still novel. Are still presenting an original story that is worthwhile. Mm. And so I've kind of made peace with PT's cancellation because of that. Because in a way. I've experienced it, man. I've played Silent Hills. I've played PT now. It's true. I can't not address a potential pun. Is PT just peacetime now? Is it that is. what it has to be at That's this it. stage? Maybe the amount of Silent Hill projects that are now in the works maybe will eventually lead to something first-person Silent Hilly yes. being done. Um, but I guess we'll see. Um, next thing down is Bayonetta 3. Um, I've only put about an hour into Bayonetta 3, but oh my God, do they know exactly what they're doing in Bayonetta 3. Um, to the point where I feel like Platinum, um, obviously in, there was the whole sort of debacle with uh, Helena Taylor over how much um, she was being offered to be uh, to reprise the role of Bayonetta, and it went to Jennifer Hale, and there was all this t- general stuff around Platinum as a dev because uh, Babylon's Fall, one of the absolute worst things that released in the last year, and it's going to be shut down. Uh, I think it's February next year because it just had no players whatsoever, and it was like, oh my god, have Platinum lost it? Their new CEO or one of their CEOs was talking about embracing NFTs and embracing all this horrible stuff that no one wants from them whatsoever because they do like they do action so well and so um, signature style where, you know, a good platinum game is unlike anything else. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hideo Hideki Kamiya, like, obviously, dude has uh, so many roots across Capcom and various other, like, you know, franchises and everything else. Um, and Bayonetta 3 was just, it just needed to be a return to what they do better than anyone else. And Bayonetta 2 was like 2014 or something. Wow. Um, which is a long time. Um, two words, kaiju button. Wow. Just just literally, I just, I read this thing that Bayonetta 3 changes the combat quite a lot. And I was so curious what that was going to be. And it's literally just that when you hold the left trigger now, I forget what left trigger used to do in Bayonetta 2. But in this one, you just hold the left trigger to just summon a giant kaiju. And they give you various different creatures that you can summon, which kind of 
work a bit like V's summons in DMC5, yes. um, where you would sort of like, you know, summon something and then you'd be able to directly control it or whatever whilst your character stays in the foreground. So in Bayonetta's case, they sort of do like a risk reward thing where you summon something by holding the left trigger. It'll stay summoned as long as you hold the left trigger. And um, you can push the right trigger to immediately bring it back because they do have like a control meter. So you're summoning these demons from the void. And um, one of them's like a giant T-Rex. I think it's called Gamora or something. Um, and you can summon like a giant sexy witch. It just looks like a giant version of her. They're the two that I've got so far. Um, but the more you leave them out, the more they want to break free. So you can use their overpowered abilities, but they might just turn and eat you. So it's like, you need to get that right. Um, you need to be despawning them as much as possible. Also, you can't control Bayonetta when you're summoning them. She mm. just does like a really cool dance while they're, whilst your analog stick now controls the creature. And all your, it's just like watching a, a Godzilla King Kong fight in the in slightly in the, in the near distance while you're in the foreground doing your summoning dance or whatever. Um, and also, um, if Bayonetta gets hit, they'll despawn. So it's like, you need to make sure when you're deploying kaijus. But it means that you're factoring kaijus into combos the same way that you would do a platinum-style DM Devil May Cry-style combat um, combo. And it's just unbelievably satisfying. And I just feel like on Switch, it shouldn't run as well as it does. Right. Um, I think they've had to sacrifice quite a bit of draw distance, quite a bit of overall detail in, quite a, in some of the overall, um, some of the environments. Um, but it works, like, and it looks gorgeous. And, like, sorry, it plays gorgeously. Um, a lot of the more spectral realm stuff looks a lot better than the open world parts, um, which I will throw in. Yeah, look, open world parts. You well, yeah, they do like a whole wide linear thing. I feel like that's the new in term now. I feel like we've had the open world boom across the 2010s and wide linear is the way forward. Kind of like how Uncharted does it um, or how God of War 2018 does it as well. Um, where you just have like wide linear segments where you can take a minute and explore a little bit and get a bit of lore or find some collectibles or whatever it is um, and go from there. What's what Sonic Frontiers is going to do? <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of what Bayonetta is doing. And those parts of those levels and um, where you go into, I think it's like the third area you go into, is like this really big open plains kind of place. It just looks like Scalebound. I was like, this is this gave me Scalebound vibes. There's like waterfalls and rocks and whatever. And I was like, this reminds me of Scalebound. And that was Platinum's cancelled thing. Yes. So why not put those levels in here? Ooh. But yeah, the things that they're doing... And I haven't even got to the other playable character yet. There's another playable character called Viola, who's a new character, because um, it's all about the multiverse, and she's coming from a different universe, and, and her Bayonetta, something happened with her, so she's coming across to see your Bayonetta, and whatever. Um, Viola seems immediately super charming and just super, like... Um, energetic and wants to help and a bit of a badass kind of like a punk and whatever I've only seen like a couple of cutscenes with her in um, but yeah I feel like I've just talked about eight minutes straight but I've loved Good. the first hour of this so much it's so dumb and over the top and ridiculous and couture and fancy and fashionable and everything else it's everything Bayonetta is that it's just it's just beautiful you have convinced me to get this as my Nintendo Switch uh, Christmas game mm. because I, I'm, I'm so pleased about this as well because mm. on Friday I know you were wondering whether to buy it there's so many games already that you had to play should I get Bayonetta 3 in the fact that you did <laughs> in the fact that it was this good and has energized you this much has made me want to play it Scott because mm. I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with the other Bayonetta games I didn't play them myself right but this one like looks good and it's gotten good reviews and the idea of a kaiju button I know mid combo is it's wow. pretty great. The thing is, I've played all the Bayonettas, and I, I got the furthest through Bayonetta 2, but I got sick of the, like, how, because you have Witch Time or Umbra Time or whatever it's called, but you press the left trigger, and if you, sorry, I guess the right trigger now. Um, when you dodge at the right time, you get a little window of slow motion, and that's kind of part of your combo. That's kind of part of your overall way that you deal with enemies. And I got a bit sick in Bayonetta 2 of how much, you know, you were just doing that. It was like, wait for your anime, wait for your, um, your time to parry or evade, do that, do damage while you're in slow motion, keep going, keep going. And it felt like you were getting knocked out of combos because you were just waiting 
waiting to go back into the slow motion stuff. And I feel like they've tweaked that a lot better here because I never finished Bayo 2. And it was because of that because I got sick of just dodge window the game. And um, whereas that's still in here and it feels like a nice reward for getting your timing right. But you have all these big, way more over the top offensive moves where you can just be like, you know, there's one dude left in the arena. I'm just going to summon my giant T-Rex to eat him um, <laughs> or do like a body slam because um, it'll just grab him and slam him off the ground over and over again. <laughs> Whilst Bayonetta's just doing like a half naked dance in the foreground. And I'm just like, yeah, this is absolutely what Bayonetta brings to the table. Um, and it's just so spot on. That's so, video games. Yeah, that's it. Oh, it's just so much of what you're just like, that's video games. <laughs> um, but in that really signature Hideki Kamiya slash platinum way yeah. that no one else goes anywhere near. It's, um, yeah. It sounds like a, like a big ambitious game from what you've mm. mentioned there in terms of, you know, like those wide linear levels in terms of the multiple playable characters. Mm. It sounds way more, and this is no slight on what I presume Bayonetta to be, mm-hmm. but it sounds just kind of like way bigger than what I thought of Bayonetta 3 would look like. Yeah, well, I think sense. they've got a mix of the levels. Like I said, I'm only about an hour in. There's quite a lot of cutscene, like especially at the beginning. There are there's a lot of cutscene with a lot of choreography and a lot of over the top stuff happening, and then they threw you into fights in, in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting the open world stuff. Maybe that was mentioned in a lot of the previews, but I didn't know that was coming. Um, and just to sort of I'll go, I'll have an open world sensibility, have bits where you can sort of go to the sides of levels and do a, do it a, a separate arena encounter, or go find some collectibles or whatever it is. Um, you've still got like levels overall. It's just that they don't feel as corridored as the as the older ones. Yeah. Um, but it feels like you said it feels a bit more ambitious um but yeah i'm just i just it's one of those games and i love when this happens where you play something and you just you're just thinking about it all the time you can't wait to get back get back into it again um and after we do this podcast i'm gonna spend my lunch break playing bayonetta 3 nice and it's uh i can't wait to, to dive back into it so yeah i'll keep up with bayo 3 um, going forward although sonic arrives in a week it's uh, uh, it what does. am i supposed to do about that I, I i don't know this for sure but mm. i'm imagining you all day every day refreshing your inbox hoping <laughs> That the code gods send Sonic Frontiers yours where Mr. Sega himself yeah. rocks up in his blue Sonic hat and he gives <laughs> you the copy of Sonic Frontiers. Can I, I don't think I can set up a uh, custom email notification to go Sega when it <laughs> arrives in the inbox. Um, but maybe. Final game though that's worth talking about is Signalis, something that I didn't, or Signalis, I didn't even know was out. It's like this throwback PS1 sick art direction wise horror game um, that's on Game Pass at the minute. Dude, twice this year mm. I have been scrolling Game Pass and seen something that is so up my street. I've needed to <laughs> drop everything else I was doing to play it. The first was a mortal. Uh, the first was a mortality. Yes, that is not how you pronounce that game. Immortality. Immortality. The second is Signalis uh-huh. uh, because I saw the idea of this old school retro. PS1 survival horror game inspired by Resident Evil, inspired by Metal Gear Solid, and I knew I needed to play it right then and mm-hmm. there, and it did not disappoint. I played almost all of it in one sitting, <laughs> and it's quite a big game. It I think you me- must have been like, I got just done nine hours of signals yeah. or something. It's like, did you have God of War saved or something? <laughs> it, took, it took me nine hours to finish. Uh-huh. I played two hours on the Friday night in between Call of Duty, and then I played seven straight hours of it on the Saturday because I I couldn't get enough of it. There's something about this game that just speaks to me. The presentation is so impressive, considering Mm. it was made by two people, essentially. You would never be able to tell. It's so confident in its presentation. It's so confident in in its gameplay. Mm. And if you like cyberpunk horror, which I think you do, even when you you, the terms you were reeling off before about like PS1 survival horror, as a a a three... Terms together, yeah. a few things are connote better memories. Well, it was so hilarious that we did the horror podcast last mm. week, where we were we were talking about 
uh, Resident Evil 1 on the PS1, and we were talking about tank controls. We were mm-hmm. talking about fixed camera angles. We were talking about inventory management. <laughs> and then two days later, I find this game has just released that ticks all of those boxes and does it very well. So, yeah, if you uh, ever played an old-school Resident Evil, you'll kind of know what you're in for here. Um, you're just going through these levels. You're trying to figure out the puzzles. You'll need you know specific keys to get in specific mm. doors. You'll need to bypass enemies. You'll need to conserve ammo. All of that good stuff uh, presented in this dystopian, futuristic environment that has its own mythology and law that's really fascinating to dig into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot itself is really um, surreal and kind of abstract in a lot of ways, but it comes together so well towards the end that I was at the cinema on Saturday night yes. watching some of my favorite movies ever. I was watching The Shining. I was mm-hmm. watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre for mm-hmm. the first time on the big screen. And in the back of my head, I was thinking about Signalis' <laughs> story because I couldn't get it out of my brain and certain images that were in the game. That's cool. Because it kind of has this hybrid style. The gameplay itself, like I said, is that kind of isometric, almost more MGS1 camera than right, Resident right. Evil 1 camera. Uh, it's kind of like top down. But the cutscenes are this sort of 2D animation uh, it's, it's like 2D animation, very colorful, mm. very anime, very kind of like visual novel in it a way. It's a little bit like Hyper Light Drifter. It, very much like yeah. that. Yeah. Or what was that Velocity 2X game? Y'all got it. Yeah, yeah, like the, the sort of visual yeah. of it, it evokes that. And those cutscenes are so striking and well put together and beautiful and colorful and haunting and gory and all of those other adjectives that it just. Man, it was one of those games that worked for me top to bottom, and it's going to be in the top ten. And it was—it's your Gotham Knights. It's all that game. implies it's worse. <laughs> so no, true. it's good. It's just Game Passes. He's another bingo card. The uh. best value in gaming right now. <laughs> it, it just literally is. Though. It constantly throws stuff up for me like this, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it. But it almost makes me wonder what stuff. Tailor made for me mm. has released that, that might have released over the past few years. That I've not got to because I've not been scrolling the yeah. dashboard and just looking for stuff that appeals. Because twice this year, I found two of my favorite games of the year just by looking at what's out this mm. week. And I've never really thought to do that before because we do so many podcasts, we do so many lists, and we 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 all almost have a a roadmap of what we want to play yeah. in our brains. That I don't kind of just jump into the recently. Uh, added to the stall list, but mm-hmm. I might do that more because, man, Signalis was, what a find that well, was Well, that was always going to be one of the interesting things of, like, how do we adapt to covering Game Pass? It's like there's, like, eight or ten games or whatever every month, and I was like, well, neither of us are going to be able to get through all of them because there are the bigger titles, quote-unquote, that a lot more people are going to be searching for, but then, like, something like a recommend, like a podcast conversation is somewhere where you can drop those things in, and they're like, yeah, I mean, your picks have been stellar like this year, like, Immortality is <laughs> so unique, and then Signalis is, like, like I said, when you were reeling that off, my brain went to so many, like, nostalgic, oh my god, like Resident Evil, Metal Gear Solid, like PS1 Survival Horror, all these different things, Parasite Eve, whatever. Um, just like you said, it's like it's almost like they've curated it. Yeah. They, the curation that is going into Game Pass is n- they're nailing it. Like as much as they're not doing per person recommendations for Game Pass, maybe that'll be something they do in the future or whatever. They are still providing these like there's such a range of titles. Um, I think Persona Five Royal is also on there, yes. which got a lot of the headlines. But then it's like alongside that, you get people who might just check out Signalis or whatever. I will say as well, while it is on Game Pass, mm. it's available for PlayStation. It's available for Switch. It right. sounds like we're sponsored. We're Ooh, absolutely not a Switch game. I. And it, it would work on Switch as well because of the 
the way the levels are designed, the way the mechanics work, it would work on. It would work handheld really well. Oh, I almost that. wish I played it handheld because it would be kind of spooky in the dark. Kind of like the horror levels of Metro Dread, like just sort yeah. of nice and dark and oh, very much. Oh. So I just kind of want to throw that out there because mm. I would definitely recommend it if you're um, wanting something spooky to play tonight, and if you're a fan of old school survival horror, if you're a fan of cyberpunk horror, if you're a fan of really cool <laughs> visuals. It sounds like I'm sponsored, but I'm definitely not. We're definitely to play. not the game because I want to talk to everyone about this game mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. because it, it rocks. I have the game downloaded. If I ever get through Gotham Knights Modern Warfare 2 and Bayonetta 3, Mario and Rabbids and God, the rest of God of War. And Scorn. And Scorn, for the love of Lord. Um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, video games are back. We've waited quite a while. Um, there, there's so many right now. I'm drowning in video <laughs> games right now. It's almost overwhelming. We talked about this 0.1% yeah. problem uh, the other day, but there's too much content right now. I'm loving the content, but it's only because there's been nothing for the last like seven months. But yeah, we'll um, continue to get into all these video games and whatever else crops up um, in terms of news and games, etc. For now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.